Welcome to the Empathetic Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have Adam Shaw from WeSpire. Adam, it's really nice to have you on. Thanks for having me. Super excited. So just getting into it, tell me a bit about yourself, your role, your company, what you're up to. Yeah, so I'm the head of demand gen at WeSpire. I oversee inbound and outbound efforts across paid, organic, email, basically all sorts of channels that can directly produce pipeline and revenue. WeSpire is a platform for engaging employees in sustainability, diversity and inclusion, well-being, and social impact programs within companies. And we work with anybody. We have, I think, some of our smallest clients have under 100 employees up to Fortune 500 companies. Very cool. You mentioned you do both inbound and outbound. And then I think you also mentioned, before as we were chatting, you manage the BDR team. How do you look at inbound versus outbound? Where does most of your time and attention go? Or is it even split between the two? It changes pretty drastically depending upon what time frame you're looking at. We really view the outbound cycle and the inbound cycle as they're all just another channel. If somebody says, hey, what channels are you using? I'll say, you know, social media, email, and outbound email, and outbound phone calls. And I think that if you're looking at it like that, then you let your time go in whatever direction is working. We had a really good outbound sequence early that went off yesterday and it's already producing meetings for us. So we're spending a little bit more time on outbound than we have in weeks past where maybe we didn't have as good outbound. So just like other weeks where we see that social media, it's working really, really well for us. We might spend a little more time on it over a period of a month or so. But I'd say that on average, we have a couple of channels that work really, really well for us, like social and email. And we probably say maybe 20% of our time on a weekly basis is spent really just hardcore focusing on outbound, whereas the rest is all of our other channels. Of course, we do have our BDRs and kind of like one and a half, two BDRs. So one of our demand gen guys, he jumps in a lot to outbound, but there's always some sort of outbound motion going at any given time, but heavy focus, probably about 20% of the week for me. Nice. That's awesome. So speaking of that, how do you research planned content campaigns? What's working, what's not? I think a lot of companies are thinking about this now, especially as there's economic headwinds out there, there's pressure to get a lot of results. What are you finding that works, what doesn't, and how do you how are you planning these cadences and sequences and content and all that stuff? If there's a question if something's going to work or not, we just launch it. It's a lot of, we're a small team, right? And we have a limited budget. So if I had a huge team with a huge budget, it'd be a little bit different where we just put some a ton of money behind something or get a agency or an outside partner, hire somebody who's going to make it so whatever it is, is perfect. But for us, we can't let perfect be the enemy of good. A lot of times an outbound sequence. We hadn't really done uh, a ton of outbound before I got here just by design, just because we were built, they're building a team and I was part of that. And we just go and we say, all right, great. We're going to do a new two month push on outbound with a very specific offer. When we came up with our current one, that's now working really well. I think it took us like three days and we were just like, all right, hit go. We do these things in waves and whatever didn't work the first wave, we try to make a little bit better the second wave and third wave. And if it just doesn't work, then I say, hey, you know what? We're doing this in waves. So let's just shut it down after this wave. It's not going to work. Or this is going so, so well, we need outside help to bring it to the next level. That's really how we find our content. A lot of just like navigating through what's working for us from a social standpoint. That's pretty easy, right? That's immediate feedback. I posted this online. I got no, I got no conversation in the comment section. Nobody had any interest to have this discussion with us on LinkedIn or whatever it might be. Or on other days when we send it, or we put stuff out there and suddenly there's actually conversation in the in the comments and people are sharing it and enjoying that. It's pretty easy to get feedback like that. Everything works in that way. It's just whether it's immediate or long-term. And you know, we start to, we know what our people like. We have subject matter experts on staff who run most of the programs within our app. So it's a, they have their kind of, I guess, finger to the pulse of the market as well. Absolutely. 
Have you found any formula recently that's worked really well in terms of a specific type of content? I know we talked about a warm approach that you guys have tried with sending out some content and all that. I'd love to just hear a little bit more about that. I don't know if formula is a great word for it, but definitely a cadence for us. We see kind of work is on a weekly basis, I have a weekly newsletter. On a monthly basis, we have a live session, uh, kind of like a live webinar session that is more of a group Q&A and conversation. And we base a lot of our content around that, right? Like these, the webinar, for instance, called We Spire Live is awesome because we got a lot of people who go to it. So we get a lot of questions directly from the audience that we want to talk to. So the candidate saying, all right, great, we got 10 questions. Let's just answer these questions over the next month and all of our content. Basically, that writes our weekly content for us, that writes our social posts for us. So that formula really works. And if we need a little bit more, we go over our customer success folks and our experts, our CSR experts who talk with our clients every day and say, what's going on? Like right now, the question is, what's the biggest challenge in 2023 that people are asking about, right? Because we help them plan. And we're actually taking all of the plans to some degree and putting them out in the real world in the coming weeks so that people can just say, hey, I'm going to just take some of those plans, these campaigns that we're doing. So really just going out and getting the questions and the answers from the actual people using this is really how we can do it in a formula, so to speak. And our delivery method, right, is whatever's working for us at that moment. What does that buyer journey end up looking like? Is it hit them up on email, ask for a demo, or do you invite them to an event, like one of these monthly sessions first and then call them? Or what does a typical journey look like from a buyer perspective? It depends. We have people who are actively searching for us through branded search and on certain pages, we have a section in our signups for a demo saying, how'd you hear about us? And that tells us a lot about the buyer journey. We have buyer journeys. He said, I've been, I heard Susan, your CEO on a podcast. I saw posts on LinkedIn and then saw that you guys had a webinar yourself. And I went and then I decided, yeah, we need help with what you guys are talking about. And that buyer journey is obviously never different than somebody who we do cold or like warmish outbound to where they didn't really have an idea that we even existed. They had a problem. They didn't have a solution for it. And they didn't know that we existed. So we put it in front of them. And that's obviously a much different one, right? The main difference with these types of buyer journeys, does the budget exist within that organization already? Is it part of an overall strategy that's already being executed? Or did you just show them like, hey, you can do this so much better and that buyer journey obviously is much different. And again, it's much different between the sizes. We're currently working on with a Fortune 100 company that we're trying to convert into a, a client and it's going well. It's actually moving decently fast, but it's going to take nine total months from the day that we started talking to them, probably until, if not more until the day that they actually sign. They had budget, they had strategy, everything, but they have to go through a much different situation. Whereas we had another company that just signed with us a few weeks ago, I think about a month ago, who had no budget had no real buyer, but they were a small company. And they're like, yeah, I want to do this. CEO's decently passionate about sustainability. So let's just do a small pilot with you guys. And that closed in a month. So that buyer journey can be significantly different. And what we do in the process is we try to insert content where we feel like it fits, right? We invite everybody to come and check out our content, whether you're just getting to know us or if you're deep in the buying journey. And I think that helps a lot. Are you segmenting out different audiences like Fortune 500, smaller companies, is there a strategy behind that or is it kind of just whatever's pulled in and then of course the corresponding sales journey for them? Right now, our team isn't big enough to segment content in that way. I write a lot of our content and I'm not a content writer and I'm not an expert in the space, right? What we do though segment is the messaging around the content, right? 
I'm writing, let's say I write a, I help write a guide that says five things CSR professionals are doing to increase their employee giving, right? For, actually, I think I did write that like a month or so ago, right? And But the way that I position that in the delivery methods is different. So for the Fortune 100, Fortune 500 companies, that's really good content for their entry-level folks because they have a CSR, a corporate social responsibility associate or a diversity inclusion associate. That's not going to be great for their like, VP of environment or social and governance who've been doing this for 25 years with small companies who maybe their HR team is the one who is heading up the giving and they're not really like a corporate social responsibility expert. That's awesome. That person's also the decision maker in a company of 50 or hundred people. So it's not so much the content itself that gets segmented. It's the message for it. Now with a mature demand gen team, I think segmenting that out's going to be important for us in the coming like year or so when we start to really put the pedal down for that. And the way that we organize all of our content is also organized how people use our app. So pretty easy to segment that out in that way once we have enough hands to literally just create the content. <laughs> Absolutely. There's so many channel choices out there. So there's cold calling, email, LinkedIn, social, probably a million others on that list. And sounds like you're taking a kind of a multi-channel approach. Are you finding any are more effective than others or are we use this one first and then we use this one? What's the thought on channels and all that? It kind of ebbs and flows, right? It's obviously like seasonality, but also just the way that people feel about certain things. And the most important thing is going to be the message, right? Um, people only hate cold emails that don't do anything for them, right? I have gone and purchased software in the past from cold emails. I hate cold emails. I think they're really annoying. But I think it's just because most of the cold emails you get are awful. When you send a really good cold email, not only do you get sign demo signups, you also get people who reply to you who maybe don't want to get a demo and they'll even like say like, hey, I'm not interested in a demo, but like, can you send me more information about whatever, like this piece of information that you also included? And they find that's the kind of time where it's okay, but that's working really well. So let's bring that message elsewhere and see if it works and repurpose it in other areas. Uh, being careful to know that like, it's the way that you position that content, the way you talk about it's going to be different in different mediums. So so using the multi-channel approach is good, but with a small team, pick a couple of them and try to be really, really good at them and get them to expand. Don't spread yourself so thin. You don't have to do everything all the time. Just be decently good at a couple of things. And then when you're ready to expand, expand. Make sure your content's good. Your message is good. And hopefully I'm not putting you on the spot, but what would like an example of a good cold email be and a terrible one? Yeah, a good cold email would be one that makes it super clear what you're going to answer or what you're going to try to accomplish within that email with them. So we did, I'll just use this one that we just sent out yesterday because it worked so well. And I used a template that I got. Oh, gosh, I can't remember the guy's name now. He's on LinkedIn. Great cold outbound guy. I think we used to do it for Gong, maybe. I can't remember. But basically, it was a question. It said, are you looking to improve your employee giving? Very easy, right? If the answer is yes, that person is going to go in there and see. If the answer is no, they're not. It's totally fine. It's irrelevant to them. So that's great. They're not going to be confused by what they get. If you have a headline that says company by a company X, we spire, right? You see that stuff all the time. It's like, okay. I mean, unless you're like Adobe or Apple, nobody's going to know, okay, what's we spire there. We're a, right now we're a decently small company. We don't work with thousands and thousands of companies. So everybody knows who we are. So pose the type of information that you're going to give them right away, give it to them super fast. In our email first line says, if you want to do this thing, WeSpire does this and we have the solution. Let's have a conversation if you like that's relevant for you. That kind of thing I think works. It's very quick. It's to the point. It gets people interested if they are interested in it. It almost makes it like warm again, right? Because the only people who are going to look and book a meeting if the answer to that headline question is yes. And yeah, you just give them the opportunity to, to learn a little bit and click the button to 
to take a quick call and make it super, super easy for us. Just go to a chili pepper link and you can sign right up. Yeah. So that was going to be my next question is how do you actually get from response to, Hey, we're on a call, like in a meeting and all that. We book more meetings and we get replies off of our outbound. Ah, okay. So we make it super, super easy. We just drop in a chili piper link for whoever it is that's doing the outreach. So you got chili piper link. I'm sure that goes somewhere to like pick a time, plan your info, all that stuff. Yeah. So pick a time, boom, done. And it's that quick. And yeah, so far in this, we sent out a few hundred emails the other day. We've gotten like three meetings within like a half hour and one response, one reply, right? Like it was that in the one reply was something like, I forget exactly what it said, but the outcome was that they wanted to add somebody else to the meeting and they didn't know how to do it within Chili Piper. So they emailed us, asked, say, hey, how can I get my coworker on this call too? More meetings booked than, than replies got back. And that's obviously great. That uh, means that our message is pretty clear. They don't have any questions about what they're going to experience when they get in. They know exactly what to expect. Absolutely. So kind of as we're wrapping up here, one other thought is, you know, with the current economic climate and challenges and headwinds and all this, how is that influencing your strategy when it comes to creating demand and all that stuff? Yeah, I mean, as a small company, I beat this drum to death. So I might have already said already, but it's, it's very much just launch stuff in a smaller state. Make sure it gets really good. Paid media is a really good example because that's like very obvious. You can dump very little money into that. Or you can dump a ton of money into it. If you have an idea of the message you want and who you're going to target in, in paid media, spend 500 bucks on it, have a really, really specific target if it works and you make the money back on it and the pipeline's coming from and the meeting's getting booked, then try for a thousand, 1500, and then, you know, just make it get bigger and bigger. That's the most obvious one to say, because you can scale that. But the same idea from outbound standpoint, find how many phone calls, emails, things like that, your outbound team can make. And if it's working and you're getting more meetings than what like your team can handle, then just add somebody in. The worst thing you can do as a small team in an economic situation that we've just kind of experienced is to say, Hey, I'm going to do a paid media test. I'm going to spend 50% of my marketing budget for next month on paid media. It's like, whoa, wait, wait. We don't even know that messaging itself is going to work. We've never done anything for the message. Like, so instead, throw up a flag, hop on Canva, make four or five decently good looking ads and just see if people click on the messaging. And if they do expand on that and make sure you make it very easy for them to get where they're going in that messaging, make sure your offer that you have on there is, is fully fleshed out, but don't dive too deeply into one thing without knowing it's going to work. If you have tons of money, like I guess you go for it, but <laughs> most people, I'm assuming. I like that form of thinking though. You're open to trying ideas, but just try them at a small scale, hop in, don't commit for the whole year and, you know, lots of spend and then probably just reward what works and get rid of what doesn't. Yeah. And you're never stressed out. I'm never worrying about something going wrong or just not having it work. What would have happened last? What would happen if my new paid media campaign did awful this month, right? Like, okay, we spent $5,000 and we didn't get any money back, but I'm also bolstered up by maybe three or four other things that were doing decently well. That $5,000 unwasted ad spend didn't hurt. And then you can also go ahead and say like, okay, well maybe, you know, even though I didn't get any direct meetings from that, but did we see a lift anywhere else? And just because you're spending money on channels, I mean, that's the only place that people are going to come in. It's not actually a silo. So yeah, it spreads out the stress levels to your entire month isn't based on one thing. Absolutely. That's great advice. Well, as we're wrapping up here, any other last thoughts, advice, words of wisdom for others out there that are creating demand and have this on their radar? Yeah, I think um, don't be afraid to, to start off. I just said, don't be afraid to like 
cut something off that isn't working. Don't lean your entire month, quarter, year on like one thing. And then also don't let perfect be the enemy of good on these. A lot of people who listen to podcasts, like especially like me, who I have a small team and I can't spend days and days and days in a planning motion for everything that I do. Just go and see what you can do. Make sure it doesn't look awful, but just make something in Canva. Try an email outreach thing. If it doesn't work, bummer. If it does, great. Just test and scale whenever you can. Absolutely. Great words of wisdom and advice. Well, thanks so much, Adam. It's been awesome to have you on. That was great. Thanks so much. Absolutely.